How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We are pleased to welcome Brandon Marcello from New Orleans covering the Sugar Bowl. Brandon, what makes Michael Penix so good? Because he's like that every single day. I was talking to Kalen DeBoer just a few minutes ago. He's still in the stadium. And we were discussing that, and I said, is this as dialed in as he's been? And he goes, no, he's like that every single day in practice. He says, I do think it helped that we were playing indoors today because that's where we practice indoors in Washington. But he said this is nothing new. He's the best quarterback in the country for a reason. What did you see from Texas in those final few seconds, maybe the final couple minutes, as Quinn Ewers maybe finds a little bit of a rhythm and they're able to put pressure on that Washington defense, but, but the play calling under fire. So what stands out to you? Well, to me, it was Washington's defense. And, I mean, listen, Texas had eight plays inside the 15-yard line in the final 90 seconds of the game and got three points out of it. And Washington's defense has something to do with that. They just step up in the big moments. They've been doing that all season. Nine of their 11 starters are juniors or seniors. They're upperclassmen. And, you know, they just stepped up once again. I know, I know we can discuss the play calling or whatever, but I'll say this. Washington was able to make Quinn Ewers hesitate a little bit, and it worked out in the end for the Huskies. Speaking of play calling, as much as Sark is answering those questions, there was a lot of uproar on social media and a reaction when Washington did not take a knee or try to run maximum time off the clock, the possession before. What did Coach DeBoer have to say about that? Well, I talked to Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator, after the game, and he was saying, hey, we're just going to play our ball. Um, He was actually talking to me a little bit about how there needs to be a rule put in place that if you're an offensive team trying to run out the clock, and you have a player go down injured, they should still run a little bit of time off the clock. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's his take on it. But the, the fact of the matter is you're exactly right. They should have been trying to kneel the ball. I don't know why we're getting into this era here of college football coaches, Mario Cristobal at Miami, just not wanting and refusing to just kneel on the ball. But, hey, at least we got a heck of a finish out of it. Mm, Dylan Johnson did end up getting hurt. What do we know about his status? Yeah, apparently he went in for an x-ray after the game. Not exactly clear exactly what it's going to be. Kalen DeBoer says it was a re-aggravation of his right ankle injury. And then I saw him about 30 minutes ago walking to the team bus with a boot on his right leg. Um, That might actually be good news because at the end of the game, he was on crutches. And at least he had the boot on and was actually putting pressure on that right ankle. So maybe some good news for the Huskies going into that national championship game. Brandon Marcello is with us in the wake of the Sugar Bowl, which Washington prevails over Texas, and he's in New Orleans. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Texas has 
been around the mountain a few times in these last uh, seven, eight, nine years. Um, it, what tells you that Steve Sarkeesian and this particular leadership for the Longhorns football team is the one that can take them back to the promised land, or at least back to relevancy? Well, I will say this. I mean, obviously they got there this year. They didn't get the end goal they wanted, but you know they got a lot of pieces are actually coming back next season. Quinn Ewers still has to make a decision, but it certainly looks like he's probably going to come back from talking to people around him. And then also it's just the recruiting. I know everybody, the joke has been Texas recruiting. They're always number five in the top five, but they never show it on the field. But the recruiting is a little bit different in Sarkeesian. And you saw it tonight in the trenches and at the receiver positions, but especially in the trenches. Washington, the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, had trouble blocking the middle of the field there and trying to get Dylan Johnson some yardage. And that actually hurt Washington a little bit and gave Texas that opportunity in that window to come back in this game. So Texas, the recruiting along the offensive and defensive lines, that's what's really made them turn the corner under Steve Sarkeesian, and they continue to do that here in the latest recruiting classes as well. When Washington makes the jump to the Big Ten, uh, and not the only Pac-12 team, a handful of them. But when Washington makes that move, uh, just as a side note, can you imagine if they were the national champions and then they bolt to the Big Ten? That's just weird. But what changes for the Huskies when they make that move? Well, they're going to have to change things a little bit, probably up front for themselves. But, you know, it's interesting. A week from now, we get a Big Ten season opener in a lot of ways. Uh, oh coaches were jo- Coaches were kind of joking about that a little bit. Then there'll be a rematch in Seattle in October. So it's weird how college football (laughs) works out in this realignment era. But, um, you know, the Huskies are going to continue to recruit the West Coast against Oregon. That's going to be their primary uh, battle out there, really. But we'll see how they adjust. You know, the coaches talked a little bit about that this week, but they didn't sound like all that much like they're going to change their recruiting approach and, for that matter, really how they approach the transfer portal, which is they kind of pick and choose guys. They've brought in only 10 or less players from the transfer portal each of these last two years. Brandon, there's a lot of different opinions about the Pac-12 and what happens next. We know for now, anyway, they do plan on remaining a conference in 24. But what's your opinion about the best path forward? Well, maybe they can keep the branding name with Washington State and Oregon State and end up merging with the Mountain West. That certainly seems like what's going to end up happening within the next year or two. You know, I talked to Pac-12 Commissioner George Kalaskoff after the game on the field, and uh, he told me it's surreal to see this. And then he kind of took a shot at the schools leaving the Pac-12, saying if they were just patient and waited, they would have seen that we were building something special. Um, I guess it's easy to say that in hindsight, but fact of the matter is the Pac-12 is dissolving, and, mm. and George Kalafkov is about to be out of a job. Hmm. Brandon Marcello is with us from New Orleans here on CBS Sports Radio. Well, I'll ask you the same question about Texas. What changes for the Longhorns when they move to the SEC? Well, I'll say this. Unlike Washington and Oregon and, and USC and UCLA, they've had a little bit of a jump start to prepare for it because their announcement happened two years ago. And they've been preparing in the recruiting battles to go about changing their rosters and prepare for the SEC. And in particular, it goes back to what I said earlier about Texas. In the trenches, they've been bulking up there. In the trenches is where you win championships in the SEC. Look at Bama, look at Georgia, obviously. And Texas has been able to do that. 
I remember seeing Texas in person two years ago when they played Arkansas, a kind of a little bit of above-average Arkansas team, and they were absolutely dominated in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That team does not exist anymore. Texas has built things up the right way in the trenches, and I think they're very well-prepared and well-built to contend in the SEC starting next year. It's going to be really strange. The landscape will look so different. Do you think we ultimately move to a power four type of uh, a brain trust that's making decisions? Oh, yeah, definitely. We're moving that direction. I wonder, though, who will be the loudest voices in that room. <laughs> Certainly, it would probably be the two, the big two in my eyes, the Big Ten and the SEC. And, you know, I've been talking to people this week. I, I think people tend to forget this, but Remember when this was all being talked about with Texas and OU joining the SEC, that there was some discussions about the SEC maybe doing their own playoff, their own postseason type of format? I mean, it's obvious that the SEC has been thinking about what the future of college football is going to look like and how they want to be the top dog and want to be well ahead of the curve there. And listen, there's going to be a lot of things that obviously I'm not saying the playoff is going to change here the next five years or anything like that. But it's very clear that the SEC and the Big Ten are trying to make moves to be the two biggest voices in that room, whatever it looks like when it comes to the Power Four. This year, uh, I guess 2022 season, I'm sorry, 23 season, but 24 playoff. uh, Would you have been on board with the 12 in the playoff, or do you like what we saw? Yeah, I would have liked to see the 12. I've, I've always been a proponent for it. Um, but I will say this, the format that's been presented, we would have seen Liberty in the playoff over Oklahoma um, because of them being that highest-ranked group of five team. And, boy, we saw what happened to Liberty Day against Oregon. Right. They would have faced – who would Liberty have faced t- today? They would have faced Florida State in Tallahassee. That would have been interesting. But, um, yeah, been great to see a 12-team playoff this year, especially with just so many great teams. Uh, out there and again look at the national championship game it's the two undefeated teams Mm -hmm. and yet Florida State didn't get that opportunity before I let you go Brandon about 45 seconds what's your initial thought about Michigan versus Washington well again to me it's going to be who can make those big plays down the field Washington is much more explosive J.J. McCarthy's a little bit of an efficient quarterback they've got Blake Corum the thing for me, though, to watch is is Dylan Johnson healthy. He's the X factor for Washington. He takes a lot of pressure off of them. And if he's not healthy, that could change the complexion of this. I can see why Michigan is favored in this one, but don't count out Washington. I know that sounds silly to say. Mm-hmm. Everybody's saying that. But goodness gracious, they have won 10 straight games by 10 points or less, Ooh. including eight straight games by one possession. Eight straight. That is unheard of in college football. That's not luck. That's no. not getting by by, the, the, by your teeth. That's just senior leadership, a lot of upperclassmen, and amazing coaching. Kalen DeBoer has won more than 90% of his games as a head coach on all levels, all the way back to his NAIA days in Sioux Falls. Well, and certainly it prepares you for this stage when you're used to playing in a pressure cooker, which we've seen from Kalen DeBoer's team. All right, you can find Brandon Marcello on Twitter at B Marcello, M-A-R-C-E-L-L-O, National College Football Reporter and Insider for 27, excuse me, 24-7 Sports from New Orleans. After the Sugar Bowl, great to connect with you, Brandon. Thank you so much for a couple of minutes. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.